Hey there, and welcome to the When's My Time podcast. I'm Ozzy Eyre, founder of whensmytime.com. And it's still Friday the 28th of April 2017 here in my part of the UK. It's still a dull and mild day for the time of year. And yes, this is the second podcast today, this second episode. Now, the last couple of episodes, the last one and when I talked about the, the village butcher and the people who travel all the those miles to, to visit him, and the previous one where I talked about how wonderful trip to Granada. I'm sorry, I do keep banging on about it, but I'm still so in love with that city. The wonderful trip we had to Granada and the two amazing people. Well, there were loads of amazing people, but there were two in particular who gave us fantastic service, gave fantastic value. Those last couple of episodes have all been about giving value, haven't they? Now, the reason I want to talk about that is for many, many years, I made a big mistake in that area. For pretty much all of the time I spent in my corporate life and for quite a while afterwards, I was just focused on ways of making a living, ways of making an income. And look, don't think I'm one of these people who says that money isn't important. It's massively important. I know it's massively important because I've had money and I've not had money. I know which one I prefer. I'm not just talking about the material things. I'm just talking about being able to sleep comfortably and not have worries and that sort of stuff. So I'm not saying money isn't important. It's hugely important in a lot of people's lives because of what it enables you to do. And not just for yourself, for other people's too. I'm not going to bang on about it. But if you've got money, it allows you to do a lot more for a lot of people. So don't think for one minute I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is my focus was in the wrong place. I'd got a wife and two kids to support. When the when the boys were born, we chose a what probably is no longer seen as a traditional sort of setup. But with a traditional setup in those days was, well, when, when the children were born, mum stayed at home with the kids. and um, And it was a struggle. I'll tell you, it was a struggle. And so I was, to use the old term, the breadwinner. Uh, I had no confusion about the fact that Carol was still the boss in this relationship. But it was up to me to go out and get the money. And that's where my focus was. And it wasn't on giving value. In fact, that concept, that whole concept seemed almost foreign to me, that that's where my focus should be. Now, in my own defence, I did give value. I did try to do the job always to the best of my ability because that's the way I was brought up. But the concept of giving value wasn't there. The reason I was in those employments was none other than the paycheck that I got at the end of the month. That was it. And the way I saw of doing that was to do the job to the best of my ability. But that was secondary. That was secondary in the motivation stakes. If somebody had waved a, a big pile of money in front of me and said, look, you don't ever need to do these things again, you wouldn't have seen me for dust. Now, the same stayed true to a certain extent when I left the corporate life, because I left, I, I'm not going to tell my whole story again, it's it's there if you listen back to previous episodes and it's uh, it's over at whensmytime.com, I tell my story there and if, if you want to hear a little bit more about it and some of the lessons that I've learned since I decided back in 2010 to quit the corporate life for good, you can head over to whensmytime.com forward slash top 10 lessons, T-O-P-T-E-N-L-E-S-S-O-N-S. And there you can get a video series where I give the the top 10 things I've learned since I left corporate life. But I don't think any of them is 
is greater than this this idea of giving value. Now, as I say, for the first couple of years or so after leaving corporate life, that I still had that, well, you know, I need to earn money. So how am I going to do that? Not what can I offer that may be of value? Now, I never went into anything that I didn't believe in, but the primary motivator was always how do I earn an income out of this? Not how do I give value? So not to put too fine a point of it, things didn't work out too well for me in the first stages of that. Because unlike when you've got a job, and if you go and do just enough in the job not to get fired, and your boss pays you just enough so you don't quit, when you're out on your own, that doesn't apply. You have to be out there giving value. And in the early stages, things got very tough for us. Now, I was saved. I was absolutely saved by a couple of things that I'd learned how to do. One was record voiceovers, and the other was create videos. And it wasn't until things got really tight that I realised and recognised that these were a couple of skills that I had which could offer value, which people would see would could benefit them, and that people would happily pay me to do for them. I could give value. And this is when the thing started to twist and change. I wasn't going out there trying to sell them something they didn't already want. They already had a need and I was there providing. They had a need for a voiceover or they had a need for a video. And I was there to provide that value for them. So I'd sort of solved one part of the equation. I was offering value, something that other people valued. But I hadn't solved the other part. I needed to learn how to value what I had to offer. They could see the value in it. They valued it. But I had yet to learn the value of it. Does that make sense? I also needed to learn to manage other people's expectations of me. I needed to be able to convey an understanding of what they could expect from me by way of the service that I was offering and what I expected from them by way of being a client, if that makes sense. Because it's a two-way thing. It's a very personal relationship this it's not just selling a widget we work on a project together so i needed to learn to manage their expectations and then do my best to exceed them i always want to surprise my clients not shock them does that make sense so let me tell you how i learned these lessons well when i first started marketing my video making i was making animated videos i was making whiteboard videos which i still do to this day but I was making that using software and using library images in that software. Now, here's what I did. Here's the mistake that I made. And, and the reason, this is all me, me, me. I know it all sounds me, me, me. But the reason I'm telling you this is because I don't want you to make these similar mistakes. I want you to understand how you can do so much better than I can. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm, I'm using my own experience and my own um, little area of, of creating videos as an example, but you can apply this to anything. So I was creating these videos for my own marketing purposes using the software. And what I did is I thought, right, okay, how long does it take me to put a 60 second video together using this software? And I sort of timed myself and I figured I could do it in about an hour. And so I said, right, okay, so what do I need to earn a day? And came back with the answer of, well, to give me a, a reasonable living and start clawing back some of the lost ground that I had, minimum of £200 a day. 
So that's what about, what, $250, $300 a day, something like that, to start clawing back some of the losses that I made. So that was quite a simple equation. I, I thought eight hours in a day, working day on average, I know I work, most often I work more than that, but eight hours in a working day, divide that into 200, gives me 25 pounds. So I can do one of these videos and charge somebody 25 pounds for it. Totally forgetting the fact that when I was making these videos for, my, videos for myself, I'd already had the idea, I'd spent some time thinking about it, I'd probably put a script together, and I knew exactly what images I was going to use, and all of this sort of stuff, all that development stuff had gone on beforehand, before I actually sat down and started physically to put the video together, which absolutely I could do in about an hour for a minute's worth of video. But I totally discounted the fact that I probably had spent two or three hours to get to that point. But that's what I did. I costed it. Now, when I got my very first customer, I, I actually listed that, you, you know, we live in a sort of gig economy now. I listed this on one of the sites where you put it up and say, say I will do this and I will charge you this. And I had nothing up there about the amount of revisions I was prepared to make. I had nothing up there about the limitations or anything of that sort. I just said, I'll make you a 60-second video for £25. And so my very first customer was from a large telecoms company, believe it or not. And I thought, gosh, I can't believe it. I've got, I've got this large telecoms company that's hired me to do this job. £25, great. And then it started, the realisation dawned on me that they want quite a lot for this £25 because what they wanted was specific images which weren't in the library. They wanted those images to have specific colours that tied in with their brand and I'll be honest, at that stage I had no idea how to create the images that were needed because I was using stock image. I had no idea how to change colours of existing images. I had no idea about any of this and I had put nothing in my listing about the amount of revisions that I was prepared to do. And so I did my best to put this video together. And of course, it took so much longer because they came to me with a script, an idea of what they wanted doing. And when I had timed myself, I knew exactly what images I was going to use from this stock library. But this time around, of course, I didn't know what was happening in the client's head, what images they wanted. And so I had to interpret their ideas and go searching through all the libraries to get the, the images that most closely matched. All of this sort of stuff. So the first iteration took me about five hours to put this 60-second this video together, for which I was going to get paid £25. And so I sent it over, and they came back saying, yeah, it's good, but... And you know when there's a but. And they wanted changes. And so I did some the changes that they asked for, and I went back, and they said, yeah, we like it better, but... And they wanted yet more changes. And this went on, believe it or not, for three days. Three solid days before I got the video to them that they were happy with. Now, during that time, I was at probably one of my lowest ebbs because financially we were in a bad place. And I was trying to figure out something that I could do. I thought I'd, I thought I'd hit upon this skill that I have. I can do this. This is something that I can do that is giving value. And I can earn money doing this. But I mean, it was roughly $10 a day. I was getting paid by the, by the time of all this. But I thought, right, okay, I know I can do this. I just need to figure out a better way of doing this. 
And the better way of doing this is, firstly, getting a grip on the real amount of time it takes me to put this thing together. Getting a grip on what I'm prepared to do as well by way of revisions, by way of changes. Managing the client's expectation. And so I changed my listing and said, look, I'm prepared to do two revisions. and I'm prepared to do this, prepared to do that. And so it started getting better. It started getting better. So instead of throwing my toys out of my pram and saying, this is not for me. I can't afford to earn £10 a day, uh, $10 a day or whatever, which I couldn't afford. Of course I couldn't afford. I chose to see it as part of my apprenticeship, part of the, the learning that I needed to go through. It was nothing to do with the video creation skills. It was all to do with the value attached to it and the the value in terms of cost that I was attaching to my time, the value in terms of what the client saw for it and managing the expectations of that client, managing their expectations as to what that £25 or whatever figure I chose to put on it was going to buy them. And so I started to make tweaks to to my listing. And the other thing, of course, is in this gig economy, what you can't afford to do is hack your clients off because if they don't like what you've done for them, they don't need to release the funds. Um, Funds are paid into escrow and they, they don't need to release the funds. And they can also leave you bad reviews. Now, this was my first client. It was a large telecoms organization, as I've said. I could see the value in getting a good review from these people, which I eventually did. Uh, I eventually did get that. So all of that was going through my head. But over the uh, over the course of the next few jobs that I did, I slowly refined my listing and, and found overall that the more I told people about what they could expect from me, the more they appreciated it. That slowly developed over time, and it got to the point where about three years ago now, I drafted my first document that I call an understanding and expectations document. It's not a contract. It's nothing as heavy as that. It's just a a document that whenever I take a client on board, I say, look, here's the way I work. I don't want there to be any nasty shocks for you in this. I'm happy for there to be nice surprises, but here's the way I work. Here's what you can expect from me when I'm working with you on this. But it also tells you what I expect from you as a client. Now, if you don't, if you're not happy with that, then we'll stay friends. But perhaps you want to find somebody else to to do this job for you. And I can tell you, since I've adopted that approach, I've not lost a client. I have not lost a single client as a result of that. I've had, I'll be honest, I've had one or two clients who have overstepped the mark, and I've said. But it said in our oh, I didn't read that. So I've never <laughs> never lost a client because they, they read it and thought, oh, no, no, that's not for me. I've had clients admit to me after the event, oh, I didn't read that, and then apologize and accept that they had overstepped the mark. And look, I, I'm going to read. You probably think I'm going on too long about this, but it really is an important thing because when you step out on you, your own, Focus on giving value, but you also need to understand the value of yourself of what you have to offer, and you need to a degree protect that value. There are very few bad people out there. There are probably five or six around the world, and they move around a lot. That's not mine. That's I heard somebody else say that. But you will occasionally get somebody. But what I want you to do is 
understand the value of what you have to offer for yourself and get your clients to understand it as well. Get people who you work for to understand the value that you're offering and manage their expectations. And the cool thing about managing their expectations, if you then exceed those expectations, boy, are they ever going to be happy and appreciative. Now, look, I, I'm not going to read the whole understanding expectations document to you that I, I, I use. I mean, it's, it'd be useless because it's in my language. It's not a legal document. It's nothing of that sort. But I, I'm going to read the covering letter that I give them with it because it will set the tone. It will understand the tone that I set. Now, you should do something entirely different. It's got to be in your your words. But here's the what I think is a friendly tone that it set. And it says, look, the purpose of these ground rules is to protect the interests of both sides, to help explain the process of working together and to ensure a smooth progress to my clients taking delivery of a video with which they are delighted. This document is the distillation of my experience of working with hundreds of clients and is based upon what I have found to work best in my clients' favour. It's not born wholly out of altruism, though. The bottom line, happier clients equals more business for me. I'm sure some of this stuff will seem completely obvious to you. If it does, great. It's that other guy it's aimed at. One thing I would ask you to do above all, though, have a clear idea of why you want a video, what you want it to achieve for you, and who is your intended audience. Okay, that's three things. I look forward to working with you, Aussie. Now you can see it's a nice friendly tone. Well, I think it's a nice friendly tone. And I, I hope it sets the tone for a nice friendly relationship with the client. I've banged on about that quite a lot. And you may think, well, you know, he's full of himself and why is he giving us all that? It, it, genuinely, that document took me several years to get to the point where I understood that I needed to give somebody that document. As I say, it's not a heavy document. It's nothing like that. It just tells them the amount of revisions that I'll do, the stages that I work through and all of that sort of stuff and what I expect from the client. But I can tell you that document, since I introduced that document, the number of times that I've had issues with clients I've dealt with hundreds of clients, so you could you, you could count them on the fingers of less than one hand, if you see what I mean. So look, I know we've gone on for a much longer than I anticipated with this one, but I, there are several points that I wanted to get across, which I do genuinely believe are going to be helpful to you if and when you decide to break away on your own. So going back to it, the most important thing is not the income. It is important, but it's not the most important thing. The most important thing is to give value. The next most important thing is to make sure you manage your client's expectations. Then exceed those expectations. Now, you manage those expectations by being quite clear at the outset about what your client can expect from you and what you expect from your client. On top of that, don't forget to value what you have to offer yourself. It's all very well having clients who value it, but you need to value it yourself. You're putting yourself into this. This is what you do. So you need to see its value too. The temptation is always to undervalue what you have to offer. Now, of course, of course, if you're charging $500 for something, that thing you're offering has to be worth more to your potential client than the $500 they have in their wallet or their bank account. Otherwise, they're not going to make that exchange. Does that make sense? So 
it has to be of value to the client as well. That's the number one. has to be of value to your client as well. But don't forget to value it yourself. Don't go selling that thing that is $500 worth for $25, like I did. In fact, three days worth, it was rather more than $500. But the bottom line was, that was my fault because I, I wasn't clear at the outset what that client could expect. That client got exactly what I listed. That client got a 60-second video at the end of it all. I just wasn't clear in the listing about the process I was prepared to go through to get them the 60-second video. Anyway, I needed to jump on again because I was thinking about this, this idea of value, because it is so important when you break out on your own, so important, that you offer value and you value what you have to offer. Look, if this has been useful to you, Head over to iTunes, make sure you subscribe. Don't miss another episode. Head over to iTunes, and while you're over there, leave me a review and a bunch of stars. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks again. I've been Ozier, founder of whensmytime.com, and I'm here to tell you, your time is now.